0: Welcome to the VanderPoint. Please join your hosts, Jessica VanderKoy and Rachel Pointer, as they challenge each other and have critical conversations about disrupting and dismantling the systems that fuel human trafficking
1: even though I grew up in a really small community and a really religious community where that community care was pretty embedded. I just didn't realize how rooted in white supremacy and and toxic Christianity it was. But it was something that Rachel said in a, I don't even know what to call that, essentially a support group for service providers, <laughs> um, where Rachel would constantly say that We heal in community. And I thought for the longest time that she was talking about our clients, that our clients heal in community. And that's why we have to be support for them, right? We have to help them build community. We have to help them find supportive people and so on and so forth. And instead, I think she was really not just talking about our clients, right? We all heal. How about I wasn't
0: talking about our clients at all? (laughs) Right,
1: right. I'm like, I just completely, I was so focused on the clients and not on myself or my community at that time Mm -hmm. that it wasn't even something that I was like, oh, that's for me. Mm
2: -hmm. That's
1: for me. Because I was so in the fixer helper, white savior mindset. Yeah, yeah. It took me like a year and a half to to come to that realization. Even though I had been quoting Rachel for that whole year and a half, <laughs> I didn't that, understand. You didn't it.
0: tell me that part.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's I think part of the starting point of dismantling some of this is like the idea of what's good. It, I hope this there's isn't history of this, but it makes sense to me. It's like a uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander right? So the idea of what I advise you to do as a human being, right? Or I offer feedback or I create a, a system of connection and support is also something I'm willing to do myself, And I see value in it as a human being. So when we would do yoga with clients, right, the messaging was yoga is good for your body. Yoga is good for your mind and having that brain break and recognizing emotions and tensions and things that go on in your body after trauma. Um, But I'm not asking you to do this because you're you, you're the one down, you're the healthy I'm doing this because um, it's good for all human beings. And in fact, we're going to do it together. And I think that in, you know, in programs, I think that's the starting point of dismantling some of this power and control in the roots of within, in these oppressive systems is that we don't set it up where it's like, you know, have this, this big system of these are the things you should do to make you feel better. It's like, damn. We're all human beings trying to be our most authentic self, certainly always want to be safe, to feel safe, and to be in worthwhile reciprocal relationships. That is a condition that I think we all want. So let's create it together. And I think that's part of what you're talking about in those, that community movement, right? That um, not just giving and volunteering your time, but how are we elevating all of this? And I would argue that taking care of yourself is actually a way that you start that. Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely coming to your community Mm -hmm. healthy um, and well coming to your job well coming to your relationships well is an act of social justice Mm -hmm. um, is a way that we dismantle this and then we model it for for the people that we get to walk alongside with in sometimes the most difficult times of their lives. Like how freaking awesome is that?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have been working on volunteering more, right? And in spaces that build community for me. And one of those has been like trash cleanup in my neighborhood to help keep my space clean. And because I'm a white person in a predominantly in a neighborhood that is predominantly black and brown folks and that is up and coming, uh, probably going to be gentrified back, Right. So if I'm going to exist in this space and exist in this community that I'm not a part of as a white person, I'm going to try to do my part to keep it to do my part to keep it clean and nice for the environment. Right. I have been wanting to do that and be outside more and do more nature things and so I am going to start volunteering for uh, some other other nature thing I haven't decided exactly yet and I know I have a client who would absolutely love that and I texted her this morning like hey I'm gonna start volunteering weekly would you like to do that with me because I'm already gonna do it right so I would love for her to have the opportunity to do it as well, because it's something we've talked about for the two and a half years I've worked with her. And then that hopefully can also give her a, a different space for community as well. But yeah, it's really, it's amazing to me when I do trainings with folks about like, how do you work with trafficking victims? How do you work with people who have been trafficked? And I'm like, just like, be a human being. Um, <laughs> people always look at me like, like I'm nuts when I say that. It's got to be more complicated. Than, no, it's not actually. It's It's really not. It's really not. It's so simple. It's like not like being a parent, but being a parent in the way of like just expressed interest in the things that they're interested in. Have conversations with them about the things that they're passionate about. Like just interact with them like they're a human being um, and not just a client that you're expecting um, certain success, certain results, certain goals to be met. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason you're interacting with them is to make sure that they've made progress on these goals that you've outlined for them. That doesn't heal right? That doesn't save, that doesn't fix, that doesn't build anything.
2: Well, and you pull on that thread a little bit. It takes you back to the, the systems that we, we look at in nonprofits and back into the white supremacy piece, which is your performance as an employee hoping to get paid 50 cents more an hour on your review could be measured potentially as to whether or not the people that you're working with had met the goals, a well-to-do feel-good lady, decided she was going to donate money for to be able to fund your program. I mean if you pull on it, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And
1: and or so federal funding, right? Federal right. funding directly from our government that is white supremacists through and through. Right. So
2: I need you to succeed. I need you to get it together. I need you to hold the job so I can put in the report that the way that I helped you was to hold a job, which was what somebody somewhere else said that that, you know, must happen. And my performance to be able to better provide for myself, meaning I get my 50 cent raise at my annual review depends on that. That's fucking jacked up. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, I know it's true, but when you spell it out, it's like, well, well, not only does it not help anybody, but holy pressure i mean
0: it's called coercion coercion is the word you're looking for coercion is
1: exactly the word exactly the word (laughs) and then let's not talk about the executive directors that are making six figures while most direct care staff who happen to be black and brown people queer and trans people are making anywhere from 12 to 18 dollars an hour Right. Which, by the way, is a lot of money. I make a lot of money for my <laughs> nonprofit job without a master's degree. Right. I will not get a raise because I make more than majority of the other people in my yeah. nonprofit. Yeah. Which is Which is let's also, also, let's not talk about the exploitation that I experience in my job being the right. only trained Actually, person in an let's organization. let's talk about that. Let's yeah, talk, let about, talk that. about that. Let's have <laughs> yeah. that conversation. Because you're not only, there's so many layers to uh, how fucked up nonprofits are. That it's not only the exploitation and the coercion of the folks that you serve, the clients that you're trying to provide services to and help as much as you possibly can, while also existing in an environment that is perpetuating violence. Mm -hmm. So, right, I am misgendered in almost every single interaction with a staff member that I have. Almost, almost everyone. If they're going to use my pronouns, I'm probably going to get misgendered at some point. That is violence against me. Absolutely. Um, It is something that I have to exist within. And if I bring it up too much, it gets pretty annoying, which I will continue to always do, but there's no repercussions, right? There's no Mm -hmm. HR for me to go to and be like, hey, I'm being misgendered every single day. What's going to happen? There's no repercussions for that. But please invite me on your diversity equity task force. Mm Right. While you misgender me in the emails about Mm -hmm. that same inclusion and equity task force, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all performative, performative allyship, performative diversity, equity, and inclusion and rooted in this white supremacy and this patriarchy and and all these things. And there's no real action, no real change and no real support. Mm. You really want to work in these nonprofits because you want to make a difference in your community and serve people who are like you, right? Like, I want to serve my trans client. I want to be visible in my nonprofit so that you know that it's safe. But my existence and my face isn't what is going to make it safe mm-hmm. in my nonprofit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I'm one person. Well, and the and system it- is,
0: yeah, the system is still set up to exploit your passion. Yes. and And also any idea that you could be different quote unquote from the cisgendered bodies around you right now, now we're not just going to exploit your passion. We're also going to exploit your existence because we can show that we have one quote unquote. And, and I hear that crap all the time. And it just boils. And my it's head.
2: exploitative of your own trauma yeah. oh. for you and on, you know, whether it's been in your, a journey in your own mind with your family and your relationships, with your neighborhood, with Mm -hmm. your community. And then to, to ask you to represent,
0: um, represent all trans people, represent represent all lesbians, represent within,
2: right. And to to instigate change within the nonprofit based on what you've learned throughout your own trauma journey. Right. Um, There may be a time and a place for that, but, but it certainly is an ask. It certainly is paid for. Uh, and you know and reimbursed and it certainly starts with you know respecting your gender and coming up with the right
1: words at the right time I mean that's a very low bar to expect the people around you to the bar is the lowest it could possibly be (laughs) in my opinion yeah it's incredibly low because like I have said to people in my workplace if you're misgendering me you're misgendering clients Mm
0: -hmm. not
1: really about me It is about me because that is also disrespect and violence towards me. But if you can disrespect your coworker, Mm -hmm. your colleague, you can definitely disrespect the 16-year-old trans kid in your program. And I've heard you do it. I've heard you misgender them. I've heard you disclose people's dead names. So here's the thing. Representation doesn't make a place equitable or inclusive. Mm-hmm. What does is actually having an environment where people feel safe? Because then those people who who represent impacted communities will go to their community members and say, "Guess what? This organization is safe. This organization mm-hmm. is a place that actually." serves us and supports us you posting my face on your social media account or whatever doesn't do anything how are we represented how what does word of mouth in our community say right word of mouth in our community says that trans people are not safe in our homeless shelters if your homeless shelter puts out you know a post about trans day of visibility on their facebook page cool good job It does nothing. Also, I highly doubt that they would do that, but it does nothing. (laughs) It's performative because we already know that it's not safe to go there. Mm -hmm. We're not going to start going there because of your performative Black Lives Matter post. Right. (laughs) Right? So embedded in these structures and people in the community know Mm -hmm. what places are safe and what places are not safe. And you're also, if your workplace, your nonprofit isn't getting quote-unquote diverse applicants for your jobs, then you're not a safe nonprofit. You're not a safe work environment. We talk to each other. It's amazing. We communicate about the violence that we experience in these workplaces.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we also communicate when it's safe though, right? Like, I mean, if I'm not saying anything that says it's not safe.
1: Exactly. Like." It it means I tolerate it. It doesn't mean it's safe. Right. Like silence speaks. And maybe I'm working within to try to create safety as much as I possibly can. Or it's a coercive
0: situation where I have to just deal with it.
1: (laughs) Right. I don't know. I'd really like to get some medical care this year in terms of my transition. And the only way to do that is to have health insurance. And the only way to have health insurance is to have a job. So I have, um, (laughs) which is a whole nother thing, right? Like health
0: insurance, that health insurance piece is a whole nother thing. It should never be tied to your employment. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it is. Why? Because it's another way that we can coerce you into doing what we tell you to do. Absolutely.
2: Well, you've got all your, your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. I mean, you lose your job, you lose, you lose your income, you lose your health insurance. And so it's a way to keep people to stay longer, to put up with more, to be exploited at higher levels, because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I can't leave. I have to have health insurance. I've got a chronic condition, or, you know, I don't have a way to pay for surgery or you're a parent and you're trying to provide for your kids. So it's, you weight it that way and it keeps people stuck in longer, right? Mm -hmm. It it allows that, you know, that bar, that low bar, just when you think it can't go
1: lower, it does, right? (laughs) Uh, And we bring it back to exploitation and our work with folks, you know, who have experience trafficking and, and exploitation in this way, it's like, you know, I've talked to some folks who have done survival sex work where it's like, okay, either I do survival sex work or I go work at McDonald's for $9 an hour. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're a homeless teenager and you can't, you don't have a stable place to to live. So you can't hold down a job. Maybe you do that survival sex work so you can make some quick money, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you sell some weed, (laughs) right? (laughs) Maybe you do whatever you need to do to survive, especially if you're trans, if you're a trans woman, if you're a Black trans woman, who isn't probably going to get hired at most most places anyway. Right. So again, just being primed for that specific type of exploitation. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking the intersex of transness, the fetishization of trans bodies Mm. and trans women and Black trans women's bodies have a direct correlation to the trafficking of of trans women and the purchasing of trans women for sex.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's
1: all wrapped up into it. And we know who is is buying, right? Mm -hmm. We know it's white men, middle, upper class white men who work in your schools, Mm -hmm. who work in your court systems, who are absolutely police officers, Mm -hmm. who are government officials, who are in every right they're your uncles they're your cousins i think Mm -hmm. they're
2: also bankers
1: yes they're bankers they're everybody
0: everybody but we can't have that conversation right because like we don't want to know
2: well and the solution (laughs) like the that's where you know the when we look at the patriarchy we look at these systems of oppression we have to have good and bad right we have to have we have to have you know a man who was trying to control who chose something bad Mm -hmm. and you have to have those dynamics there to have it make sense to have it almost give permission for the crime to occur i mean look at mm-hmm. look at look what we've done with with prostitution in the history of that there are other than some some short grants or stints of action most states and at least here locally um have never really looked at accountability for that crime because like you said it's locker room talk it's boys will be boys it's it's white men competing, competing with status among white men and dominance through mm-hmm. sex and ownership and we discount it boys will be go at boys we discount it with you know well he made a he made a bad decision His job has been stressful Right. And we create that narrative for the person who is driving the business. Mm
1: -hmm. And everybody is victims under patriarchy and capitalism. 100%. Like, why are these men buying sex? Mm -hmm. Why are they specifically buying sex from trans women? What is it about that that is so enticing that is off limits in our society, really? Mm -hmm. And we I mean, even with traffickers, right, we can empathize with people who are pimps and who are traffickers, because, again, they're also victims of a system and a society Mm -hmm. that exploits and and create create so many barriers to whatever success supposedly looks like. Right. So and again, we learn how to be in relationships by being in relationships. So if you grew up in an environment where, you know, abuse and uh, was completely normalized and trafficking was normalized, then you might do it too. Mm -hmm. You might not really, I mean, think about how many folks who are victims also recruit, right? Trauma upon trauma upon trauma and Mm -hmm. um, all stemming back to a lack of accountability to the systems that create this.
2: I appreciate the mention of how the you know white supremacy this capitalism looking at trafficking as a business actually harms everyone that's involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so when we look at dismantling or getting rid of the crime of trafficking, right, like our systems have always gone to sort of these siloed kinds of things. But if you look at like a business where you, you know, I used to give the example of, you know, you sell, you're selling wool socks in Florida, right? There might not be a demand for it Do people just shut down their business. No, they, they move to a state that gets cold, right? And Um, Is the person who wants socks going to say, you know what, I'm just not going to have a need for socks anymore because this person's not selling socks anymore? No, they go to a different corner of the world to go get their socks. And so in order to dismantle all of this that's happening, right, or the guy that's making the money selling the socks, right? they find something else to sell they they repackage it they relabel it they so if we look if we're able to put the context of a business and capitalism and the way this works on the frame of trafficking i think it helps to explain why just taking one of the one of the pieces out of it meaning we are going to give you know lots of funding to help people find housing and healing services and and pay people to walk alongside them that's an important component but if we're never willing to look at the trauma and the need to earn money um, and capitalism that often is rooted in why someone starts trafficking in the first place. Right. And is impacted in this system. And we're not willing to look at why grown ass men are seeking undercover sex with trans women um, because they can't be authentic and safe in the spaces that they're in. We will never be done with this exploitation. Um, you just move your wool socks to South Dakota. I mean, you just move, you know, you just, and so I, that made a lot of sense in my mind that might've been very confusing to other folks, but, um, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? Right.
1: Literally, I am trying so hard to erase this, um, you know, you get what I'm saying because it is so rooted in sexism that we as women don't think the people understand Mm -hmm. what we're saying Mm -hmm. because we have like so much internalized misogyny. Like it drives me wild. I'm an intelligent person with succinct thoughts Mm -hmm. and, and conversation pieces and ideas and ideology and, how often I um, question that somebody isn't going to understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. It is like the smallest pieces of our day-to-day interactions that I think it takes, it's going to take us so long to peel back like the onion of Mm. all of these, of the ways in which these systems affect us Mm -hmm. and the ways in which like to create new new systems, new uh, um, ways to care for each other. I because it's so embedded in our our interactions that like mm-hmm. we are we are well aware of patriarchy and sexism. And I would guess that we all still apologize all the time for dumb shit that we don't need to apologize for.
0: Yes. 100%.
2: Yeah. I appreciate that feedback. I think that's one small thing we can all start doing. I almost, I almost do it. Like I'm so conscious of doing it. Cause I, it's like a, like I need to do it almost to soften what I just said. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Which um,
0: is, if, I is slow, if I
2: slow in... it down, that's what I'm doing. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I just, maybe I need to give you some out right now. To to yes. tell me that it didn't make
0: the white man comfortable, right? And to yes. make other
2: people comfortable. Yeah. a job on evaluation once that I had at a nonprofit told me that my communication style was very masculine, and that I that part of my feedback was that I needed to adjust it because it made it so that other people weren't weren't necessarily seeing me as quote unquote approachable, and that I should start attending baby showers and goodbye parties on a more regular basis. Swear to God,
1: local okay. nonprofit. Yeah. <sighs> that makes me want to vomit
2: yeah I was like and harm well, so somebody. here's the thing I have to communicate masculinely to get a, um, to be able to move up in this fucking system to be able to get paid more so that I can provide for my children I don't get to be who I am authentically I have to be I have to mirror what you're doing to be able to do this I mean and that's I don't know communication masculine or feminine is so fucking stupid to begin with anyway right
1: but- that part that part because oh what your assertive communication style is seen as masculine because women aren't allowed to be assertive that's what you're telling me that's what you're that's what you're saying so glad that that's what you're saying and also that you're threatened by any sort of assertive communication style that makes you feel uncomfortable that's really gross
0: Thank you for witnessing today's conversation on the Vanderpoint. Jessica and Rachel hope you will join them next time as they continue engaging in this critical work.